is Ruining Your Childhood, and I'm Kirsten. I'm Sarah. And this week we're ruining uh, one of the most beloved figures in all of history, Santa Claus. <laughs> Thought you were going to say Jesus. Well, um, Jesus doesn't really come into Santa Claus at all. That's one of the like weird messages that I kept reading about is that Jesus really isn't a part of Santa. He's not like a metaphor for Jesus? No, he isn't. And honestly, there's like not a lot of like religious symbolism in the Santa myth. It's really complicated, but uh Sarah, I assume you're familiar <sighs> with uh Santa Claus. Quite. Did you uh believe in Santa your whole childhood? Yeah, and I would say maybe even a little bit later than a lot of kids. I I do remember really wanting to keep believing. <laughs> um, I actually still believe in Santa Claus because my mommy told me that as long as I believe in Santa, he will bring me presents for Christmas. So uh, he's real. Yeah, that that's fair. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> he's real to me. It's essentially I can uh, be bought. Yeah, I I can be bought to believe in Santa. And I should probably just preface this whole episode by saying I love Santa and I love Christmas. I'm in no way a Santa hater and you can tell me as many problematic things about him as you like, but I still really love Santa and I love my Santa movies and anything Christmassy. It's my favorite time of year. So anything badly that I say about Santa, it's important for me to say that I also still Love him and love Christmas and yeah. That's a little disclaimer before I, I feel stay. like it's a big cancer mood to love Christmas. Um, it's this cancer's biggest mood. Cause I love Christmas too. We're both cancers. As a triple water sign, uh, <laughs> uh Christmas is my favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> she just but loved her family, people. I love my family so much, but I also get extremely as a water sign. I also get extremely overwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> so like i love christmas but to the point of like crying hysterically <laughs> like uh, oh, I relate. <laughs> like uh you, you know the the Kristen bell video of her crying over a sloth that's me from like november 25th on <laughs> so that's that's you pretty soon because it is uh thanksgiving week Yes, uh, yeah, so I'll be, like, level 10 emotions by Friday, uh, Black Friday is, has a different connotation for me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it, it starts the weeping season, uh, which will last (laughs) until, uh, probably March, but. (laughs) Uh, Your weeping season is only November to March? Yes, that's a, no, actually, it's the whole year. I'm a big weeper. I cry over everything. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm a triple water sign, okay? That That's valid. I, I'm only uh, one third of, a, well, one millionth of a water sign, because the rest of me is Gemini. I'm a, because I know everyone is, like, clamoring to know this information. I'm a Cancer <laughs> But I am a Pisces moon and a Scorpio rising, so. Mm. Yeah, I, that, what a concise, like, thing of your personality. But yeah, I'm, I'm Cancer, Sun, Gemini, Moon, Gemini, rising, Gemini, most other things. Um, I, 
I quite sad really Gem- i love your gemini spirit <laughs> thank you i love gemini's i why well, i do so many goddamn podcasts one of our <laughs> mutual dearest friends is a gemini so yeah we love her we love her shout yeah. out we are gemini apologists on this podcast amen <laughs> Oh, I guess we should probably talk about Santa, or we can just talk uh, about horoscopes for another hour if you'd like. <laughs> we'll start another podcast about <laughs> horoscopes. Uh, but okay, so based on your experience with Santa, how do you think he came to be in his present state? Well, according to the Claymation documentary, Here Comes Santa Claus, he was a an orphan. Right, and then he, uh, no, but actually, um, me, Saint Nicholas, probably, like, this, this smells Catholic to me. Does it have a nice Catholic air to it? So, Saint Nicholas is part of the Santa myth, and mm-hmm. Saint Nicholas is pretty interesting. Uh, he was a fourth century saint who lived in what is now modern day turkey i had no idea that saint nicholas was from turkey by the way again uh speaking of whitewashing if this character is based on someone who lived in what is now turkey he probably wouldn't look so uh rosy cheeked and white just he would probably look differently yeah i i think so you know it's kind of the uh christian tradition to uh change people's ethnicities and really uh whiten them up as time goes on yeah so saint nicholas is the patron saint of schoolboys, which i hate that phrase i know when i read that phrase i was like puke <laughs> oh my god <laughs> what a damn creep no <laughs> uh, i think it is like it should be children. I think it's mostly like accepted as children now, but originally it was schoolboys because only boys went to school. So it would be like school children. And so the way he became the patron saint of schoolboys is gross. So (laughs) it's not as gross as you think it could be. It's just weird. It's just, it's a different kind of gross. Uh, So these are just like, sort of myths there's no like factual basis to this which uh i shouldn't even have to say that because of what i'm about to say (laughs) (laughs) i don't need to tell you that this isn't based in any sort of (laughs) you're not gonna find this in a history book but um so three boys were coming from somewhere else to go to school in Turkey, where St. Nicholas lived. And they had to stop at an inn and stay the night. And when they stayed at the inn, the innkeeper and his wife chopped them into bits and threw them into a pickling brine barrel. (laughs) What? (laughs) And so St. Nicholas heard about this and, uh resuscitated these three dismembered children and brought them back to life (laughs) from being pickled from being pickled they were literally getting pickled (laughs) pickled children (laughs) so that's one of them the other reason is a schoolboy 
uh, saw a beggar man outside of his school and he offered to give the beggar like some money or some food. And when he gave the beggar whatever he gave him, he turned into the devil and killed him. Like he killed the boy. <laughs> That's what you get for doing good deeds, kids. You do a good deed and the devil kills you. <laughs> <laughs> so St. Nicholas brought this dead child back to life also. So mm. that's why he's the patron saint of schoolboys. Is because basically if you are dismembered, he's the guy you want to call out to because he he fixes that sort of thing. <laughs> but so he uh saves children and he's known for being giving. And one of the reasons people think that this is the origin story of Santa is because he uh, had a sack that he used for a specific purpose. So he had three hmm. neighbor girls and their father was going to sell them into prostitution. So since he was wealthy, every night he would throw a sack of gold through their window and in the next morning... Their dad would be like, well, I guess I don't have to sell any of you into prostitution today because I found this sack of gold. Oh, my God. And so he eventually, like, bought all three of their freedoms, essentially. I don't even know what to say to that. Yeah. So, like, (laughs) uh, this is a really um, not child-friendly story. (laughs) They couldn't have put this in the claymation. It would have been too weird, even for claymation. (laughs) Uh, Claymation's already so goddamn weird. It's already weird. (laughs) Um, But so, yeah, he's he's a giving guy. And by the Renaissance, St. Nicholas was the most popular saint in Europe. Like, even after the Protestant Reformation, uh, St. Nicholas was still a really positive figure in Europe. So... He seemed like a pretty cool guy. Despite the weird reasons he had to do those things, he still did them. Yeah, he was still, like, you know, putting kids back together after they'd been torn to bits. So, uh, St. Nicholas was also adopted as the uh, Saint of Holland. That becomes important later in the story. Gotcha. So, I think this is a good time to talk about Black Pete. So uh, let me let me back up and say that, like, because of his reputation as the patron saint of schoolboys, but I'm just going to say children. I'm just going to say children from here on out. That's fair. Because yeah. he's the patron saint of children, there were festivities to celebrate him. And so on Christmas, St. Nicholas would come to your house and it was not a happy time. It was... Uh, very scary because you would like sing a song and he would come in and like sweets would come in to signal his arrival. And then when he came in, he would quiz kids on the Bible and ask them questions about religion. And he was accompanied by a demon named Black Pete. Oh, boy. Yeah, um, I've been reading a lot about Black Pete in the last uh, week or so, and I have genuinely had Black Pete nightmares because in this original story, Black Pete is supposed to represent 
like a snarling demon. Yeah. And he was, you know, black all over and he would snarl at kids. And if they missed questions or if you were especially bad, he would have a sack with him. And if you were bad that year, he would put you in your sack and take you to hell. Oh, my God. Until the next year, you spent a year in hell. (laughs) (laughs) And like he was in chains and... It, it sounds so terrifying. Yeah, I just, uh, it's really been haunting me lately. <laughs> yeah. When uh, you said Blackbeat, I thought it was going to be that thing that was referenced in that one episode of The Office. It, it turns into that. Oh, okay, okay. I won't spoil yeah, it for yeah, the, yeah. the we, audience then. We get to there. But so originally, Black Pete is a demon. And most scholars think that Black Pete was black because he was burned up because he was from hell not because that was the color of his skin tone very specifically this version of black pete is just like covered in ash because he's from hell Mm -hmm. not right not his race but so after this sort of uh tradition gets going it comes to america via new amsterdam because you know St. Nicholas is the patron saint of Holland. When um, New Amsterdam is founded, they bring a lot of the same traditions. But have you ever heard of mummers? This was a new topic for me. I'd never heard of No, I don't know what that is. This is all very wild. So um, apparently in Philadelphia and other parts of Pennsylvania, there were mummers. And these were people who sort of put on the, the St. Nicholas persona And they would travel with, like, people who would dress like Black Pete. And they would go out at night and, like, cause a big ruckus. Yeah. And so eventually the Quakers in Pennsylvania got really tired of this and started putting fines on people who would go out and do this kind of stuff. And this this also became a tradition with the uh, Pennsylvania Dutch. Only they changed the name from St. Nicholas to Pell's Nickel which is just like pelts is the German word for like fur. That's where we get the English word pelts, like P-E-L-T-S. So it just translates to furry Nicholas. And it was because, you know, he would wear furs that he had gotten from animals. So pelts nickel, because this is before a lot of things were being recorded in writing, kind of gets transformed from each area of Pennsylvania so he becomes like Pelsnickel, Belschnickel, Belsnick, Snickel with like a CK. So it's mm. like a lot of different variations on Furry Nicholas, which is <laughs> furry. furry Nicholas. Yeah, Persona. I'm Furry Nicholas. But also fun, fun thing about Furry Nicholas slash Belschnickel is he didn't speak any known language. He would just gibber like he just had like no (laughs) language it would just be like gibberish and that was his whole way of communicating and he was also sort of creepy so this is the that episode of the office when dwight brings his pennsylvania dutch christmas to the office he dresses as belschnigel which is this traditional pennsylvania dutch guy Pretty perfect for Dwight, really. Yeah, it's really so... And I had forgotten about this. I'm so glad that you remembered. I didn't know it was supposed to be like Santa Claus or St. Nicholas, almost literally. I thought it was just like a completely different figure, to be honest. Well, I mean, you know, furry Nicholas, St. Nicholas. (laughs) (laughs) 
tomato, tomato. <laughs> St. Nicholas's persona. I'm telling you, that's what <laughs> he became a furry. <laughs> that's why he speaks gibberish. It's his furry language. It's his animal language. <laughs> so uh, Belschnigel would give out cakes and sweets, but he also carried a whip and would whip you in the same type of way if you were bad. And you would get... Instead of, like, sweets and presents, if you were bad, you would also get sticks. Instead of a lump of coal, it's just a bundle of sticks. <laughs> uh, like, here, here's some sticks for you. Like, uh, do better next time. But so, like, back to the mummers. The mummers start mixing because it's all Pennsylvania. So in Philadelphia, the mummers start mixing with Belschnigels. So... Belschnigel and the Mummers will go out and cause a ruckus and the Quakers start putting a lot of fines and a lot of rules on, you know, you can't be out here doing this pagan ritual <laughs> because that's also it's like a lot of this is rooted in a lot of pagan traditions. So the Quakers were not notoriously welcoming of pagans. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Yeah, uh, not their favorite. And also just like having a good time was sort of against the law. Upon yeah. <laughs> uh, Hence why yeah. uh, the Quakers are most known today for their oatmeal. Yes, they're uh, plain unflavored oatmeal. <laughs> uh, but so, yes, the Quakers started putting fines on people who were celebrating Mummer's Night. But uh, the Quakers started to, to outlaw mummers in 1801, but it still kept going on and they just got smarter about it. And in Boston, they got really smart about it because the same thing was happening in Boston. They were doing a whole parade and the parade got shut down because it was too wild and crazy. And also this is puritanical, you know, <laughs> leftovers. So yeah. celebrating this sort of pagan ritual was uh, not a good look. So it was outlawed in a lot of places. But in Boston, they got really smart and they would dress up in costumes like they were doing in Philadelphia. But instead of going into public, they would knock on every door and they would say, are you accepting mummers? And if you said yes, then they would give you like treats. And I don't know if this is sounding at all familiar to you, but do you know what this may be turned into? Trick or treat? Trick or treat. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. The Quakers did us one favor and separated trick or treat and Christmas into two holidays instead of yes. one. <laughs> For maximum profit on the part of kids. Yes, kids kids got two nights of treats. But also I like the idea of in this scenario the person brings you candy to your house. Yeah, that is it's basically a Grubhub. Yeah, it's Grubhub but for free. So, I'm in. <laughs> Let's bring mummers back. So, uh, a key characteristic of these sort of um mummer celebrations, the they would paint their faces black. Mm. So it's sort of up in the air how this tradition got started. You know, a lot of people think that it came from Black Pete since, you know, Belschnigel and Black Pete were sort of together. They think that this tradition kind of came from the traditional demon Black Pete. Mm -hmm. But immediately people started associating this with slavery. So right. not even people who were speaking out against it. Even the people, while they were doing it, started assuming that they were doing it to mock um, minstrel shows. So, yeah. 
1905, everybody was pretty sure that it had something to do with slavery and blackface. And there was also a myth that the reason that you would put on blackface is because slave owners were nice to slaves on Christmas Eve. And that oh, was boy. sort of that was sort of the belief at the time, but that is not true. Uh I think for the most part slave owners were never nice to slaves. I don't think that's a real thing. I don't think you can be nice to a slave. I think if you're a slave owner, you're inherently bad all the time, even on Christmas Eve. Yeah, yeah. Christmas does not cure you of uh of being a slaveholder. Yeah, treating your slaves to a meal on Christmas Eve does not equate you to being a good person. So obviously we can see the problems with this. And yeah. uh, around 1905, the tradition was sort of dying off in the States because people were sort of realizing that uh, this was not okay. And the early chapters of the NAACP asked cities to not allow Black Pete to be part of the Christmas celebration. And so today it's really died off. And I had actually never heard about Black Pete until I saw a comedian named Michelle Buteau, who is a black woman married to a man from Amsterdam. And she said that when she spent Christmas with him for the first time, she was introduced to Black Pete and was horrified. Of course, I mean... his name is Svarty. Pete there, which translates just to Black Pete. And is black in in what language is spoken in the Netherlands? <laughs> I don't know. Holland Holland Day? Dutch. Dutch, Dutch yeah, I guess. Right. Dutch. Yeah, Dutch is Okay. Uh, there's so many names for that country. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I I'm honestly not sure uh what the difference between the Netherlands and Holland is. I honestly it's the same thing. But is I it the know. same? I don't I know. One of them is the official name, and the other is just like also what it's called. I think. Okay, we actually have our listener from the Netherlands. Maybe he can help us. Yeah. <laughs> so we have one listener. If you're out there, you're listening again. Uh, <laughs> send us an email, <laughs> please. We'll uh, we'll give you a special showcase on Black Pete. You can fill us in. Um, yes. So this tradition still goes on there. And their Black Pete doesn't even have sort of the uh, the decency to be a, a demon because their version of Sporty Pete disappeared. So originally, you know, it started the same way with the he's a chained up demon. He's not a black person. Right. But he disappeared and reappeared in the 1800s as a Spanish Moor who was ah. St. Nicholas's servant. Oh, so this is like just full on. Just, wow. Full on horrible. Yeah. Uh, Sferty Pete is, has no chance at not being horrible. Like yeah. you can't defend it in its present state. Like, I think there's some defense to the 1800s parades in America where he was an ash demon and not a person, but this version, he is straight up a Spanish Moor and he is Santa's servant. So it's all the way bad. Don't defend it. It's not good. Yeah. But here's some promising news. I like promising updates. So mm -hmm, after mm -hmm. the George Floyd protests and Black Lives Matter protests, 
in the Netherlands in 2020, there was a significant downturn in people who approved of Svarty Pete. So the survey saw support for the character go to 47% of people supporting it, but that's down from 71. Jeez, that's a big portion of the country that was like, this is totally okay. Yeah, I guess it's like, you know, people get really entrenched in their traditions and it really is hard to let go of stuff. Even in your heart of hearts when you know it's horrible, uh, I think sometimes we tend to dig into things even way past the time when they should have been gone. But it 47% is still of a lot of people supporting it, but that's a a huge turn from 71. So progress. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And hopefully hopefully more um municipalities at like Christmas celebrations and things like that will start just banning it. Right. In in that way it won't get entrenched in, in newer generations. Right. Yes. So Saint Nicholas feast night there is December 5th. So by December 5th, we'll know if there's any sort of a downturn in Sparty Pete. Because this for this celebration, people put on full-on blackface. Mm, like multiple people. It's not just like one for a whole parade or something. It's like Yeah, you don't pick like, like one up. in the country. It's like a, like a lot of people do it. And, and if you Google these images, they're really gross. Is it like full-on like shoe polish kind of look? Yes. It's very Ooh. menstrual. Like... In the 1800s in America. That's how it looks. Uh, That's bad. Especially because, like, well, not even especially. There's no way to make this better, but the clothes are also very, like, old-fashioned. So it's just, like, horrible. Yeah, it is directly like a slave. Yeah, it's directly like a slave. It's, um, there's no defending it. And even, uh, like, historians and writers are like, please don't pretend like you're being an ash demon when you're doing this. Because we know where it comes from. And even if you are dressing up like an ash demon, I don't paint your face black. Yeah, there's no reason to do that. Yeah, even um, if you yeah. uh, are doing very traditional Bell Schnigel holiday, uh, don't paint your face black still, even if you're being, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of good demon costumes out there that you can get your hands on now. There's no need to paint your face. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like, you know, you could more like look like a more freaky demon if you painted your face white. Honestly, like like pale white. Freddy Krueger mask with like a uh, elf hat on top. If you did that, <laughs> it would scare the shit out of me. So <laughs> Yeah. This <laughs> is create new traditions, Holland. It's it's if simple. You want, if you want to bring back that character, change his name from Black Pete to maybe just Pete and wear yeah. a Freddy Krueger mask. There you go. You should really run Holland. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm going to start a new parade for this in the U.S. where it's just like Santa Claus and Freddy Krueger. <laughs> His assistant, Freddy Krueger. <laughs> the demon who says if you don't know your Bible verses, he'll throw you in a sack and take you to hell. Yeah, that part can stay. Like, I think a, a healthy amount of fear. and <laughs> Yeah, really, really just scare him into submission. That's my approach to kids. Yeah. So uh, we've covered the the Black Pete stuff. And so there are a lot of theories on how we got to modern day Santa from St. Nicholas, from Belschnigel. And it sort of just seems like it's a, a combination of a lot of different traditions. So the first suit from Belschnigel the giving toys thing from St. Nicholas. It's just like a lot of 
different traditions sort of form together to make what we think of as like modern Santa. And a lot of people yeah. uh, like to point out that St. Nicholas himself really like is in a sh- direct line to Santa that there were a lot of differences. So the original like drawings of St. Nicholas, the first sort of jokey cartoon of him was based on an 1809 Washington Irving book called Knickerbocker History about the New Amsterdam Dutch. And that was sort of like a like a little bit of a problematic story about the New Amsterdam Dutch where they presented St. Nicholas as like an elf creature and everybody was sort of made out to be a drunk. And it was a little problematic for... The Dutch people living in New York, but um, eventually they sort of took it over and made him like the elfin version of St. Nicholas, sort of like their mascot, sort of like took it back and made so him a little like more reclaimed positive. reclaimed it? Yeah, they kind of reclaimed him. Huh. So yeah, St. Saint, Saint Nicholas isn't a, an exact straight line. I actually read a book. It's called Santa Claus, Last of the Wild Men, and it's by... Phyllis Seifker, and she is deceased now, but this book was written in 1997, so there's obviously, like, a lot of things that have changed. She actually posits that Santa and Satan and a lot of other mythical figures all sort of date back to the same myth. I don't know how I feel about this theory. I think, you know, if we break every story down to its bare bones, then most mythical creatures come from the same place like myth is sort of all the same if you boil it down far enough so um it's an interesting book and i recommend reading it just for the fun and there's a lot of like really cool pictures of like past versions of santa so um if you're looking for a little bit of light reading on santa history and Potentially how Satan and Santa are from the same story. <laughs> yeah, I, I was wondering if I misheard you there. But no, you said S- Satan. Satan, yeah. Satan. <laughs> that guy. Black the- Peter's boss. <laughs> uh, so maybe from the same family tree, but this is her theory. And I think it's really well researched. I'm just not sure about all of her conclusions. Gotcha. But uh, anyway, so um, so we see Santa get a little bit of a retcon starting in like 1821. He starts going from horribly scary St. Nicholas who threatens you to sort of more of a like genteel figure who wants to give kids gifts and be nice. And the first time we see him called Santa Claus is in 1821. And this is, you can sort of tell the difference between the Belschnigel St. Nicholas we've just talked about in, in one sentence. So this is from The Children's Friend, and that was published in 1821. And it goes, old Santa Claus with much delight, his reindeer drives this frosty night o'er chimney tops and tracks of snow to bring his yearly gifts to yo. Yo, it doesn't what? say yo. It just doesn't rhyme. If you say you, the line is you. But I feel like maybe if you pronounce it with like a like a British accent, maybe it sounds yeah. like yo. I don't know. I wanted it to rhyme, and it doesn't. 
maybe go is because is, it was go that it rhymed with, right? Um, snow. snow. It rhymes with oh. snow. So maybe snow is snoo. Snoo. <laughs> and trucks of snow to bring his yearly gifts to you. That's how it goes. Uh, weirdly Midwestern. <laughs> snow to uh, you. <laughs> and starting in the 1840s, we start knowing him as Chris Kringle. This guy has so many names. Yeah, I was wondering what, where did Chris K- Kringle come from? Chris Kringle is like a real uh, shot in the dark, but apparently it comes from Grist Kringle, which was the name for the gifts that the Belschnickel would bring you. So mm. Belschnickel would bring you Grist Kindle. And so that somehow became Chris Kringle. Hmm. I don't speak German. I don't I don't understand <laughs> how this came to happen. But at any rate, by 1840, people recognized the name Chris Kringle as another name for Santa Claus, which is a new name that we're calling him now, which is just a shortened version of Santa Claus, which is like a short form of St. Nicholas. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's made the trip from being a horrible, like, foreboding presence for kids to being a fun guy who brings you presents. And these gifts, uh, mind you, at this time are not expressly toys. They're usually, like, sweets, candies, cakes, that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, like little things. Little things. Because, you know, families don't have a lot of spare money. So, right, cakes and goodies are the Christmas gift of the time. Honestly, if you lower the bar, if you just pretend, take all preconceived things about Christmas today, that's like a pretty sweet deal. Right, yeah. Like, uh, you wake up and you have cakes from this guy, like, awesome. Instead of eating the cookies, he... He gives you the cookies when you wake up. Like, perfect. Yeah, honestly, like, that's a much better deal. Yeah, because you don't have to bake anything. (laughs) Okay, so stores are starting to advertise now. And, of course, we have a rise in Santa because of, you guessed it, capitalism. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, yeah. Like. The next uh, character in this. Uh, uh, like capitalism is actually the much like Satan and Santa are from the same myth capitalism is from that same myth also <laughs> the three archetypes uh, oh so that that's in. that's what ties Satan and uh, Santa Claus together yep the, is capitalism that's their brother <laughs> is, is capitalism <laughs> But so stores start advertising Christmas shopping in 1820, which floored me. Yeah, that's wildly early in my mind. Yeah, for me too. I was like, I thought in 1820 people were just trying not to die. I didn't imagine (laughs) that anyone was like specifically trying to target them to buy more things at Christmas time. But yeah, old capitalism says if we can get them through the door. We'll do it any way that we can. Yeah. So by the 1840s, newspapers have separate sections for holiday advertisements. Hmm. And thanks to the popularity of Clement Clark Moore's Twas the Night Before Christmas, which is actually called 
an account of a visit from Saint Saint Nicholas. Oh, that's a, that's a much worse name. <laughs> yeah, I get why it's just that twas the night before Christmas, which is just the first line of the poem. They're yeah. like, take out that Saint Nicholas stuff. It's twas the night before Christmas. <laughs> that's much more marketable. So thanks to the popularity of this poem, really, we get a more unified version of Santa Claus. Like, before he was just sort of like a spoken handed down myth this really codified the santa legend yeah it canonized it yeah this is where we get the transformation from backwoodsy pennsylvania dutch to worldwide figure of christmas what year was this 1822 uh i actually saw conflicting reports some people said that it was published in 1822 for the first time some people said that it was published December 23rd, 1823, but somewhere in there, the first publication of this poem appears in a newspaper, and it was published anonymously at first, but eventually it was credited to Clement Clark Moore, who was an Episcopal minister, and he actually published Twas the Night Before Christmas in a book of his poems in, like, 1844, but so... This becomes the most popular version of Santa, and thanks to its popularity, stores start using Santa as a way to get kids through the door and a way to sell parents' presents for Christmas. That's way earlier than I thought that poem was written. Right. I know. I was really surprised by all of this because I've always sort of thought that Santa was new. Mm-hmm. I never realized how old this like myth was. Obviously... I knew St. Nicholas was a saint, so he was obviously born a long time ago, but I thought that the Santa myth was newer. Yeah. So after Twas the Night Before Christmas and people start using Santa in ads, there's still really not a defined way of how Santa looks. So even though like parts of his wardrobe have sort of been described, you know, um, and his reindeer and his sleigh, That's all become part of the canon now. But he still really isn't, like, completely put together. And so in 1881, political cartoonist Thomas Nast uh, used Moore's poem to create the first likeness that matches the sort of modern image of Santa. So this was, he started making cartoons for Harper's Weekly. And he was the one who made Santa kind of fat. And... Mm cheery the the big white beard and sort of the picture of santa that we get today and he's also the person that gave santa his red suit oh oh because yeah the in the poem it doesn't really say he has a red suit does it no so this is this is the first time we get like the modern santa in full form so okay this is This is another thing that floored me as far as, like, when it got started. So, do you want to take a guess as to when the first department store Santa happened? Ooh. 1890. That's my guess. Damn. All right, bitch. That's exactly (laughs) correct. (laughs) Wait, are you serious? Yeah, that is literally the year. Oh, my God. That was was an estimation. Oh, wow. Man, I'm going to... (laughs) <laughs> whoa oh. i was thinking it would have been like 1940 and then when i read <laughs> that department store santa 
first appearance was in 1890, I could have passed out. I was like, <laughs> how? Well, I figured based on everything just being earlier in this, in your your telling of this, um, uh, and also I think you know, Gilded Age feels right. Well, you're correct because the the first Santa in costume in a store happened in 1890. The man that owned the store was named James Edgar. It was in Brockton, Massachusetts, and it was just a dry goods store. And he had a Santa suit tailored for himself and just started dressing up like Santa and coming into the store. And shocking to no one, kids really loved it because they'd read this poem about Santa and they'd never gotten to meet him before. Like, and there so, he is. Like, yeah, I, but I thought about this and I was like, I can't imagine how exciting it would have been to see him for the first time in person for a child. Because, oh, yeah. like, you and I grew up with mall Santas every single year of our lives. Right. And not just that, like, we've seen so many characters from our childhood be in front of us. Like, if you've ever been right. to Disney World, part of the draw is that you can see characters that you love in real life in front of your face. Yeah. So, imagining that for the first time, it had to be unreal. And so... In 1890, this is the first time it's happening. It's just in one store in Massachusetts. And kids are coming from all over the state. They're coming from New York City just to see this guy. So by 1891, Santa was in every department store. They saw the business that it was bringing in and they capitalized on it. And so now Santa in 1891 is like a staple in every department store. I mean, like, I love that it started with just, like, this dude in Massachusetts, though. I know. That's really and cool. I actually, this same article, I read something very sweet about him. So, apparently, Brockton, Massachusetts, the town that he lived in, had originally been, like, a shoe factory town. And after he passed away, there were a lot of kids that were having truancy issues because they didn't have shoes. Because the town had sort of went bankrupt. So sort of in his memory his store opened up one of the floors of the store to just be cobblers that worked for free fixing kids shoes and they fixed like 5,000 shoes or something ridiculous but just like in his memory so I like to think of this guy as like not just someone trying to advertise for a store but as someone who had a genuinely good heart and like wanted to make kids happy like possibly actually Santa Claus was he the real one? Because maybe. Also, I would love to see a movie about this. Oh, yeah, like, me too. Like this about this James Edgar guy from Brockton, Massachusetts. I want to see like some old man with a Boston accent just being like <laughs> <laughs> super cute and being nice to kids. That's yeah. That's the Christmas movie I want to see in 2021, so... That would be an instant classic, and also, like, like a pretty true biography, but then at the end, like, they, maybe he'd get a visit from, like, the real Santa, and he'd be like, you're doing a good job for me, and it would be really sweet. I'm crying already. <laughs> Weeping oh, season yeah. is upon us right now. <laughs> it started. Uh, no, that, that would be adorable. I can't believe nobody's, like, made a movie out of this story. That's pretty unbelievable. Somebody pick up this charge, please. Yeah. Uh, And you only have to give us a small percent of the royalties (laughs) for giving you the idea. 
Yeah, like five percent. Uh, I mean, that would probably do us for life. Yeah, I would. I would love a good five percent of the royalties. So yeah, we're cheap. So eighteen ninety one, mall Santas are everywhere. Not malls, department stores. An American institution was really born, and in that same vein of American institutions, since you're so good at guessing, do you want to guess when the first Santa film was made? Or mm. debuted, should I say? Okay, okay. Um, I'm gonna guess. Uh, I'm gonna say in the 40s. Okay, somewhere. you're way off on this one. <laughs> 1897. How? I know, right? <laughs> so, okay, so the first film is just called Santa Claus Feeling Stockings. And it's literally just a silent film. That's like two clips, and it's just Santa putting gifts in a stocking. <laughs> 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 Calling it a movie is like uh, is generous, but <laughs> real generous. But at the time, it was probably dope. Yeah, I, I mean, like at that point, you know, seeing a train on screen was like making people pass out, so uh, the bar was low. Right. So at the same time, like if the train's making you pass out, if you're a kid and you see Santa on a screen dead, it's just gonna. Yeah. You, like it was you probably like your pants. mania <laughs> uh, so in 1898 though there's a full actual movie that gets made and when i say actual movie i mean it's 29 minutes long but it's called santa claus and the children or i'm sorry Original. It's called a visit from the santa claus and it's a british film and it's 29 minutes long and it's actually okay. It's a silent movie. I actually watched it because it's 29 minutes long. And for the time, yeah. it's amazing. Santa, like, actually yeah. is on the roof. And then he is in the, the same room as the kids. Like, they sort of make it seem like he comes down the actual chimney. And he delivers the presents. And then he disappears and the kids wake up. And it's really sweet and cute. And for, like, 1898, it's awesome. Special effects game on point. Yeah, it was the Jurassic Park of its time. <laughs> <laughs> everybody was like have you seen a visit from santa claus it's better than avatar <laughs> uh, but yeah so that's the end of the the 1800s we have a full version of santa now we have department store santas santa's in film and then he disappeared from american culture and was never seen from again the end the end that's the end of the episode <laughs> no but i am going to leave it there with 1898 and santa is in his first real movie yeah. and we'll pick it back up in the 1900s next week yeah man i i ge can genuinely say i learned a lot yeah and and this was like not so much of a ruining of santa sort of a more of a ruining of black pete <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, he he and he, he that that one deserves to get ruined. Yeah, if if anything on the show is ever deserved to be ruined, it's Black Pete. Mm hmm. So, yeah. um, but yeah. So we'll ruin Santa more next week. But so far, he's come out of this uh, pretty unscathed. So yeah, I'm actually very excited to see where this goes from here. Now that I have the origin story, the origin story is always important. So, uh, basically, Santa went from the weirdest possible thing ever <laughs> to, like, to the man we, we know and love. 
But I am down if you want to recreate Bell Schnigel. Reform him into something appropriate yeah. for our current world. Yes. Um, maybe bring the sticks back, you know. Um, yeah, more fun than coal. I like the idea of the sticks. You can make crafts with sticks. The original Legos. Yeah, <laughs> Lincoln Logs. <laughs> but Basically. <laughs> you can whittle sticks into something at least. Yes, and then this time, and, and you know, incorporating this into a modern Santa where we have like the, the Freddy Krueger as his assistant, I think that would be good. Yes, I, I'm very into bringing back the Philadelphia Mummers Parade, but with Freddy Krueger. As... I think that would be very in line with Philadelphia's whole vibe. I was going to um, say it's very Philly. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, wait, here's an idea. Make it gritty. <laughs> oh my god, yes. He, he, Get Black Pete out, put gritty in. And boom, he's a new Christmas icon for the whole country, not even just Philadelphia. And you know what? If they want him in Amsterdam, gritty's available. Gritty is for the people. Yeah, take out Sverti Pete and put in Gritty, the savior of all mankind. <laughs> oh, wait, I didn't even talk about how this wasn't related to Jesus. But I mean, I guess you can kind of see it. Did we talk about Jesus at all in any of these traditions? No. No, there's no, no anywhere. There's no like straight line to Jesus's birthday to St. Nicholas or to Santa Claus. There's really no connection. And I actually saw like in the book that I read, there was actually she brought up a good point and she was like, there's a lot of figures in the actual Christmas story that could have served the same purpose. Like there were literally three wise men that delivered gifts. And that makes sense. Somehow we, we wound up with Santa Claus instead. Which doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, like it, it could have been the wise men every year. Yeah. Coming to give us stuff. Because then you could have three instead of just one. So they could break up. Right, yeah, divide and, and conquer. Well, Cover a lot more ground with three intellect. Exactly. So basically what you're saying is that the this whole St. Nicholas thing wasn't necessarily even tied to Christmas originally. Right, it was sort of celebrated at the same time and in combination but it really doesn't have any connection to the actual birth of christ yeah i think that that goes to show how uh christmas kind of st- the the celebration of things that time of year kind of predated the celebration of the birth of christ yes again that's why the quakers outlawed that parade <laughs> yeah uh, yeah because it wasn't really particularly christian uh. We all like our pagan rituals. We just don't like to say it out loud. Yes. Um, I, for one, love pagan rituals. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so next time a kid asks you how Santa is related to Christmas, just be like, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. I feel like that's a common question that kids have, like, but why Christmas? And it's like, well, I don't have an answer for you other than (laughs) it is what it is. Uh. Because, you know, otherwise, uh, seasonal affective disorder is just too damn strong. We need a little bit of fun. Amen. We all need something. That's literally why people celebrated it was because it's it's around the shortest day of the year. It's not exactly that anymore, but it, it was like a solstice celebration where you know we're like hey uh shit sad let's 
You know what would make this a lot better? If we had some sort of a party. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And people would like party in the streets about it. Clearly they were in Philadelphia. And Boston. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, today it's a very family-oriented celebration, but... You know, if you don't want to spend Christmas with your family, just uh, go party in the streets, except not this year. <laughs> you can drink by yourself this year. Uh, yeah, or party in the street by yourself. Just don't uh, yeah. join in with anybody else. Outside your household. <laughs> if you have some sort of a trumpet, you should blare it down the street. Because that was actually one of the rules that was passed by the Quakers, was that you couldn't blow horns. <laughs> Uh, that was their biggest problem with the parade was too many horns so hey you're having too much fun out there hey i can't sleep at 5 p.m with all this horn noise (laughs) i have to wake up at four in the morning to eat my oatmeal (laughs) (laughs) these oats ain't gonna cook themselves uh yeah so don't let the quakers ruin christmas for you uh do whatever you want and be pagan about it if you're not christian or you know just have a fun day. Yeah. Do whatever you want to do, as long as it's in a very small group of just you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the rules are a little different this year, but uh, <laughs> next year, fun, do, what, do what you want. Have a fun party of one. Uh, <laughs> uh, for all you people who live in a house by yourself, like, God bless. Uh Dr. Fauci did just say that Santa Claus has a natural immunity to COVID, so he will be visiting you anyway, even if you live alone. Perfect. So yeah, the takeaways are we need a movie about the first department store Santa, and Mm -hmm. we also need a movie where the wise men are the real heroes of Christmas, and Santa has been evil and stealing their thunder this entire time. Yes, I, I like that. Okay. Those are our two blockbuster ideas. Feel free to email the podcast if you'd like to buy the rights. <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, Black Pete's bad. Uh, Don't do it. If you live in Holland. Uh, Freddy Krueger or Gritty only. Yes, consider it. Uh, yeah, next week we'll dive right back in with uh, the Santa talk. And until then, good riddance. Good riddance. Thank you.